But Genesis chapter 45, Genesis chapter 45, and uh, today we're going to do a second part to this Here Comes the Dreamer uh, idea, and we've been talking about the life of Joseph, and we're going to jump into a little bit further in the story, and uh, we'll recap some things that have, have happened in his life. Uh, but today, uh, I'm in Genesis chapter 45, I'm going to start in verse uh, 1. The Bible says, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Wow. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. People have no idea that even when they hurt you, that God is using that hurt and that pain to send you ahead to save people's lives. And what you thought was the end of your life becomes the beginning of your life so that you can save lives. It's powerful. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. At some point in your life, God is potentially going to ask you to help people who hurt you. In Genesis chapter 50, Joseph has to reiterate this. This is actually 70 years later. Their father has passed away. And now that their father is dead, his brothers are thinking that Joseph's going to get us back now. Because the only thing keeping Joseph from doing what Joseph really wanted to do was that our dad was alive. And Joseph has to remind them, do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. I love the way he puts that. He says, you meant it. See, it's one thing for somebody to hurt you unintentionally, but it's another thing when they hurt you and they meant to hurt you. He said, you meant it. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this perspective we thank you for this story. The New Testament teaches us that these stories in the Old Testament are for our benefit. They're to teach us. So we thank you for this perspective that we can learn from today. Help us to see clearer what you are doing in our lives, what you are performing in our lives. And I'm praying today that as we leave this place, we would leave this place with a greater understanding of who you are in us 
not really who we are because we're nothing without you, but who you are in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We thank you for that in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. A philosopher and theologian named Soren Kierkegaard said this. He said, he said, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. In other words, what he's saying to us is that some things in your present will only make sense to you in your future. It's one thing to be able to read Genesis chapter 50 and 20 and hear Joseph say what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It's another thing to actually believe that and say that. And it's one thing for Joseph to say it at the end of the story when he's seen the good. And so I don't want you to see this story and think that if I'm in a situation right now that seems evil, that I am supposed to have the same perspective that Joseph has as he's living in the good. Because it's very difficult sometimes to make this statement, what you meant for evil, God meant for good while you're living in the evil. Notice that Joseph didn't make this statement while he was living in the evil. He didn't say this while he was in the pit. He wasn't talking like this while he was in the prison. He was talking like this when he was living in the good. And so there is obviously something to perspective. It's a principle in in our lives called perspective, the principle of perspective. What is it? What is that? It means that where you sit determines what you see, where you sit determines what you see. And there's so much of the Bible that we see the full story and we're able to rejoice because we see the full story. And some of us live so frustrated looking at the Bible stories because we're sitting in the middle of the evil. We're like, where is the daggum good? I mean, it's 10.04. Can I get anybody in this room to just be honest with me? Like, okay, Joseph, we get it. You're in the good now. So, so how, do I, how do I make it from their intended evil to God's intended good? What do I do when I don't feel like anything good is going on? What do I do when I'm living in the middle of the evil? First of all, I need to let you know that delays are not denial. Delays are how God develops us as believer. And if I can look at these stories and I can look at my life and recognize that even though I might not be living in the good right now, I can recognize that every delay is working in my favor. Job said in Job 42 and 2, he said, God, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. This is my attitude when I'm living in between what they meant for evil and what God means for good. My attitude is this, just like Job's. I know, God, that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. 
And the process that happens between what they meant for evil and what God intended for good. He explained it this way. He said in, in Job 42 and 5, he said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. What God is developing in what seems like a denial, what God is developing in the delay is, is he's developing in you something to where it's like, it's like Job said, it's like, I heard about you, but I didn't really know you. See, because you, you can know church, but not know God. You can know his commands, but not know him. You can grow up in a Christian home and not have a relationship with God. You can even be moral and not know God. So the point of the delay is that not only would you hear him, but you would see him. Is there anybody in the room today who's like, I don't want to just hear about God. I want to see the activity of God in my life. This principle of perspective where I sit determines what I see. So how is God developing me in the delay? Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we also glorify in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, Robbie, what is the delay developing? The delay is developing, first of all, your perseverance. Habakkuk chapter two and verse three says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. One translation says, even though it tarries, it will not tarry. Even though it's taking long, it will not take long. Even though it lingers, it will not linger. What is the point? The point is, is that what God does from his perspective might seem long to you, but is never long to him. It's always right when it needs to happen. You ever heard the saying, God may not come when you want him, but he always comes on time. Even though it tarries, it will not tarry. According to your perspective and according to your thoughts and according to your imagination, it might be taking a long time, but in God's economy, in God's world, and in God's timeline, it will not take long. I want you to understand something today that even though you might not be in the, but God meant it for good, you might be in that middle space where God is developing your perseverance. But can I tell you, whatever God's word goes out to do, God God's word performs what God's word set out to do. And if God has made a promise to you, God will come through on his promise. Is there anybody in the room today thankful that God keeps his promises? He keeps his promise. The vision takes long. It will not take long. Takes forever, but it doesn't. (laughs) From your perspective, it was wasted time. Some of you have gone through things in your life and you thought, man, I wasted time. And maybe you did, but God didn't see it as wasted time. Especially when you serve a God who can redeem time. So here's the point. 
If you'll give God what time you have left, he can make up for the time you wasted. I don't, I don't care how old you are in the room today. If you will give God what time you have left, he will make up for the years that you have wasted. Can somebody in the room say amen? He's a God who can redeem the time. So here's a couple questions you'll need to, to ask yourself and manage. Can I keep moving forward without all the answers? If you can't keep moving forward without answers, serving God is going to frustrate you so much. <laughs> Another question. Can I keep moving forward without closure? One thing that's so interesting to me about this story is that Joseph never makes any attempts to go home and tell his family that he's alive. I don't know why that happened. I just know he didn't do it. There was no closure there. But Joseph kept moving forward in his life. Can you keep moving forward if they don't say, I'm sorry? Can you keep moving forward if you get no explanation? Can you keep moving forward without closure? I love this thought. James Hollis said, he said, because of this, he said, we are forced into a difficult choice, anxiety or depression. He says, if we move forward, as our soul insists, we may be flooded with anxiety. But if we do not move forward, we will suffer depression, the pressing down of the soul's purpose. In such a difficult choice, one must choose anxiety, for anxiety is at least the path of growth. Depression is a stagnation and the defeat of life. When you, are, when you are in a place where you don't know the answers, when you are in a place where you can't make sense of it, when you are in a place when they didn't say, I'm sorry, when you are in a place where they never followed up, when you are in a place where you didn't get the answers and the closure you wanted, are you going to stand still? Or are you going to keep moving forward? And part of the answer to our anxious thoughts about a future without their apology, a future without the details, a future without closure, part of the answer to those anxious thoughts about our future is to remain in the present. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, he said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. But I remain in the present, not just by saying, oh, man, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. He gave us the answer for not worrying about tomorrow in Matthew 6, He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. So what's my responsibility in between they meant it for evil and God intends for my good? Seek first the kingdom today. Can't worry about yesterday and I can't worry about tomorrow. Perseverance, perseverance is required for you to get from what they meant for evil to what God means for good. And 
I'm gonna give you, let me give you really quickly four ways which God increases perseverance. And I'm just gonna use one story. It's in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, if you'll turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, um, maybe they'll, they'll throw it up on the screens. I didn't give them this this morning. But Matthew chapter 15, if my iPad will, will work. Hmm, interesting. Can I get a Bible? Like one with some big print, like a real one? Oh, another, another mark of the beast. Matthew chapter 15. So, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. All right, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he beheld a woman of Canaan. She came to him in that region, and she cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus, Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This woman did something that was not supposed to be done. She pulled into her present something that was reserved for her future. Now, the Gentiles were going to come into the kingdom, but Jesus is saying, you're a Gentile. I didn't come for you, so I don't have time for you. I don't have, I don't have time to listen to your request. I don't even have to respond to your request because I didn't come for you. But because she had a faith that persevered. See, you, you don't want faith that cannot be tested. Because if your faith cannot be tested, it cannot be trusted. This is why you want perseverance. This is why the Bible says, let patience have its perfect work in you. Don't, don't jump out of the boat when God is trying to teach you something in the boat. So the Bible says that she comes to Jesus and he, she asks for help. Here's the first test of your perseverance. <laughs> the test of silence. The Bible says he answered her not a word. Many of us, when God doesn't answer us, when we want him to, and immediately we stop asking. And if you stop asking because of the silence, you'll never receive what you want. Second test. She passed the test of discouragement. The disciples looked at, looked at Jesus and they said, hey, let's send her away. So Jesus doesn't answer her. The disciples don't even want anything to do with her. She tried, he, here's the picture. You, you try to talk to God in your house. It doesn't feel like he's answering. You call someone from the church and they're like, I don't have time for you. 
How many of you would make it past this point? How many of you would say, well, if God doesn't want to talk to me and if the pastor doesn't want to talk to me and nobody at the church wants to talk to me, then I guess I just give up on all of this. I didn't need it in the first place. So you have to pass the test of the silence of God, of the discouragement that comes from people. You have to third test, the test of rejection. No. I wasn't sent to you. It's not for you. What do you do when God says no? Do you just stop praying about it? Or do you recognize maybe he's saying no in this season? Maybe a no today is not a no forever. There's got to be some discernment about you. Because if God puts something in your heart and, and you, it's so in your heart and you're praying for it and you've passed the test of silence and you've gone past the test of discouragement when everybody else said you should quit on it. And now you're in the place where God's even like, no, I'm not doing that. Not right now. But you're like, but I feel this in my heart. I know this in my spirit. This is what God wants for me. Do you quit? No. And then watch what Jesus says. He says, because it's not right to give to the dogs, what belongs to the children. Here's the last test, humility. Yeah, but, but even the dogs get the scraps from the table. And what are the scraps made of? The same thing that was on the table. So if if I, really, if I really believe that God has spoken a word to me, given me a promise, especially something that is declared in the word of God, what do I do when it seems like he's not answering? Keep asking. What do I do when everybody around me says, you should stop praying about you? That's over. You should stop praying about that. But God spoke to you and declared to you that he was going to restore that relationship. Yeah. Uh, it's over. You should stop praying about it. She's moved on. Everybody's moved on. You need to move on. I get it, but I, I still believe that God's going to do something. Ooh, gosh. What do I do? I go past the discouragement. And even when I'm knocking on the door and it seems like no. But God declared it. I keep knocking on the door. Think about this because there's, there's, this, there's this mindset in, in our walk with God that we just, we just throw a prayer out there and we don't expect our prayers to face any obstacles. It's like Daniel who prayed and the angel shows up and he says, Daniel, I'm sorry. But bro, I've been fighting the devil for 21 days. And sometimes in your life, if you pray about a thing and you give up, you don't realize everything that is happening in the heavenly, everything that's happening in the spiritual realm. 
You'll give up on something that God even said yes to, but it wasn't time yet. And he's just fighting and he's just warring and he's just working to get things to their proper place and time. So don't quit. If there's something God has put in your heart, don't quit on it. The delay is also developing the second thought, your character. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says that perseverance, it produces character. Character is, is interesting because the question, the question I want to ask, it, it seems like it's just directed towards men, but it's directed towards all of us. The question I want to ask is, is when you're 18, can you run from Potiphar's wife? Because if you're 18 and you can't run from your own cell phone or your computer, you ain't running from Potiphar's wife. And there is, there is, there is still, there is still this desire that God has for the people that he uses to have the character necessary to maintain the thing that he brings into their life. So God's going to test your character The delay is going to test your character. Can you run from Potiphar's wife? How many dudes in here are running from Potiphar's wife at 18 years old? Not many. So the character is being developed. Character is being developed not only when it comes to Potiphar's wife, but when it comes to Potiphar's things. See, You have to develop the character necessary to be trusted with what belongs to other people before God wants to give you what's coming to you. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12 say, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That's why when people who don't tithe on $100 tell me, I'll tithe if God would just bless me. No, you wouldn't, because if you can't be responsible with a little bit of money, you are not going to be responsible with a lot of money. Your, your potential doesn't term, determine what your life look like, looks like. Your patterns do. Well, oh, they got a good heart. They have a great heart. Bad habits. They can have good intentions, bad outcomes. Because it's bad character. Somebody's phone is trying to tell them something today. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. So listen, he says, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? What do you you do when you graduate from a pit to a prison? It's like, for many of us, the pit would have been the end. But then for the ones who made it out of the pit, not just physically, but mentally, for the ones who made it out of the pit to get thrown into a prison after all of that, character is being developed 
when you do what is right, but you still get in trouble. And so the question is not, how do you act when you're in the palace? The question is, how do you act when you're in a situation that you don't deserve to be in? This is the test of character. When it seems like you don't have a reason to keep doing right, but you keep doing what's right. It's like I keep doing right and it keeps working out. To my disadvantage. I ran away and I'm in prison. I did what is right. And if you're not careful, you'll, you'll be so, you'll be, you'll, your, your desire for justice in your life will be so, just so out of order that, that, that when you get into situations that you know you don't deserve, your main goal will be that you would be justified that you would be proven to be right instead of acting right in your situation. So the challenge is not how do I act when I get promoted? The challenge is, is how do I act when somebody who doesn't deserve the promotion and I should have got it gets it? Where's my character then? When I don't have a reason to keep doing right, but I just keep doing right. And if I'll keep doing right, I'm telling you, people are not watching how you handle success. People are watching how you handle failure. And when Joseph fails, every time Joseph, it seems, fails in front of everybody else and he gets falsely accused and he's thrown into prison, he doesn't whine while he's in prison, he doesn't get mad at God while he's in prison, he doesn't get mad at other people while he's in prison, he realizes he somehow has this heavenly perspective. He must be sitting in a different place than everybody else is sitting because he doesn't see what everybody else would be seeing. And while he's in the middle of the prison, he's... he's He's around this cupbearer, this baker, and they, they're, they're having these dreams. And Joseph is like, tell me about your dreams. Oh, man, this is so, this is so, there's so much revelation here. When you are in the middle of your dream falling apart, and you still have a heart that looks at other people and says, tell me about your dreams. How, how, how God must look upon a person who in the middle of them going through things that they did not deserve. They look at other people and say, let me help you interpret what God is speaking to you. Because the sign of maturity is not the fulfillment of your dreams. The sign of Christian maturity is when you realize that I'm on earth to help other people interpret the dreams that God is putting in their heart. And when I act like that, when I act like that, when they get out of prison and, and I tell them to remember me, they might forget me for a little bit. But in Genesis 41, the Bible says that the cupbearer, he kind of forgot about Joseph, but the, the Pharaoh started saying, hey, I'm having these dreams and nobody can interpret them. And he goes, oh man, I forgot, but there was this guy that I was in prison with 
you remember when you sent me to prison because you got mad that day? That's how it went down. The king just got mad and he sends them off to prison. Do you remember that? Well, I met this guy and he interpreted my dreams. We should send for him. Listen to me. How you act in the prison determines how people talk about you in the palace. Because if you get in the prison and you, things aren't going your way and life is turning against you and you start acting out and you start getting out of character, people will talk about how you acted in the palace. They will. Somewhere there's a conversation going on about you and how you're acting in your difficult seasons. Most people, when they get into trouble, they wouldn't be like, hey, let me, let me help you interpret what God's speaking to you. And I love when he gets called in and he talks to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh tells him his dream. He doesn't go, well, what about my dreams? Does nobody want to hear about my dreams? Like I listened to your dream and your dream and now your dream, Pharaoh. Does nobody care? About my dreams. No, because he recognized that my purpose is not connected to fulfilling my dream. My dream was never about me in the first place. My purpose is connected in fulfilling the dreams of others. Now notice this. Joseph's gift, Joseph's gift was not having dreams. Joseph's gift was interpreting dreams. Now, now, this is going to mess with some of your theology, but Joseph needed Pharaoh. And it doesn't matter how evil you think your boss is. Even if he's got you in a prison you don't deserve to be in. If you will learn how to interpret the dreams of the people that you work for, God can use you, not just in the church world. See, God isn't really, listen to me, I, I, I love what I do, but, but what I do is, is, is not what 95% of the church does. Almost, almost none of you will ever stand up in this pulpit and preach like this. But you will go into a community every day with pharaohs who needs someone to interpret the dreams that are being put in their heart. And, and even though you don't like them, and even though they might be nasty, and even though they might be difficult, God still wants to use you to help interpret the dreams of the pharaohs. Why? Because when you interpret the dreams of the pharaohs, it doesn't, it doesn't really just bless the pharaoh. Listen to what happens. As, as, as Joseph interprets this dream, he's not, he didn't even realize it, but this dream that he's interpreting is going to save his entire family. So he's going to rescue and redeem his entire family. Wow. Job, it's really bad for you right now, bro. Curse God and die. That's the option, right? 
I'm in a situation I don't understand. I'm involved in something that I didn't deserve. Job was in trouble because he was good. Remember, Satan and God are having a conversation, and God says, Satan's like, man, I've been trying to, I've been messing around down there on earth, just tripping everybody up. This is easy. Who's next? God says, have you considered Job? (laughs) Give him a try. Why did God want the enemy to test Job? Because he was mad at Job? No, Job was good. He wanted the enemy to test Job because he wanted to prove to the devil that people can go through hell and still say, I will not give up on what God spoke and declared over my life. I don't care what the devil throws at me. I don't care what life throws at me. I don't care what you throw at me. I will not give up. Come on, somebody, on the things that God has spoken over my life. I won't give up. I won't give up. Though he slain me. Yet will I trust him. I'm going to trust God. What about my dreams? The apex of leadership is realizing that in helping others realize their dream, I'm actually realizing mine. In Genesis 42 and 8, the Bible says, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. It's interesting to me that Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. It's interesting to me, but it's not really a surprise to me because they never really saw him anyway. But could it also be the reason they didn't recognize him is because he had changed so much. And the reason he could recognize them is because they stayed the same. Could could it be possible that the thing that people hate about you is you are not who they want you to be? You didn't turn out the way they thought you would. So they can't see you. No wonder they can't see you. Stop wasting your time trying to get people to see you. Because if they can't, they can't. Very often people can't see you because you've outgrown them. I remember when I was really coming into the things of the Lord and I was really separating myself from the things that I was doing in the world and friends got so frustrated with me. You just go spend all your time at the church? Oh, you too holy for us now? You too good for us now? No, I've just outgrown you. They would say, we don't recognize you anymore. It was like, well, I I totally recognize you. (laughs) Hmm. So he says, the apostle says in Romans 5, he says, perseverance is necessary Perseverance produces character. And then he says character produces hope. I I don't understand to me how 
suffering ultimately produces hope in my life. He said, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. How does suffering lead to, to hope? I thought about this for a long time, and I thought maybe it's because most people waver between the high of hope and the low of hopelessness because of their character. What if character isn't about whether or not I always do the exact right thing? What if character is that no matter what happens or even in my mistakes, I just keep turning back to Jesus? What if, what if my character is that, yeah, I'm a human being and I'm probably gonna make some mistakes and I'm gonna try my best to do what's right, but there are gonna be some times when I don't do what's right. And if you, if you haven't read this whole story about Joseph's life, you need to read this whole story about Joseph's life because Joseph acts like a little bit of a fool for a little while. When he first finds his, when his brothers first come to him, he's messing with them playing with them. The Bible says he speaks harshly to them. But all of a sudden, the verse that we, we, we came out of, Genesis 45 today, all of a sudden the Bible says he couldn't, he couldn't keep himself together any longer. What happened? Hope. What happened? Why did he all of a sudden erupt into tears? There's no record anywhere else in Joseph's story that he cried. Does it say they threw him in the prison and he cried about it? Does it say his brother threw him in a pit and he cried about it? Does it say he was betrayed and he cried about it? Does it say he, he had kids and he cried about it? But when his brothers return and they're all together and he sees Benjamin and it all comes full circle, hope, the thing that he had heard God speak to him and saw in his dreams when he was 17 years old is all of a sudden coming to pass because he didn't change in his character. He's starting to realize that because I trusted God when I had no reason to trust God, because I believed God when I had no reason to really believe, because I kept thinking about others more than myself when I could have turned it all inward and made it all about me because I maintained my character. Now I'm living in the thing that my dreams said that I could, I could see because listen to me, the dream was never about fame and money. It was never about being in charge. Through all of his pain, all of his success, he still hadn't seen the dream fulfilled because the dream was not about him being in second in command. The dream was about his family. So when he saw his family, the dream and his life came into alignment and everything started to make sense. And so now we see Joseph crying because when I start to see why I went through what I went through, Yeah. 
And I want you to know today, there is a why to your what. God will give you a why for all of the things that you have gone through. He will not waste your suffering. Your suffering will produce perseverance. Your perseverance will produce character. And your character will produce hope in your life. Can somebody say amen? First Peter 5 and 10, it says, And may the God of all grace who called you to his eternal purpose... His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3 says, We remember before our God and our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see Joseph in that moment, successful in area, every area of his life, but the one that he wanted to be successful in the most was family. And the dream wasn't fulfilled until he brought his family along into the dream. I want you to know today that whatever God is declaring for you, It's not just about you. And you will never be fulfilled in any title, any position, no amount of money in the bank, unless it means that your family gets to come with you. I don't want to be successful in business and fail at family. And the dream came to fulfillment. When he sees his brothers, because that's why he sent them back for Benjamin. When they came the first time, they didn't have his youngest brother. Bring them all. Go get Benjamin when you when you when you come back with Benjamin and he gets back. They get back with Benjamin. And then at that moment, boom, bam. Here it is. This is what I this is what I dreamed about. Looks a whole lot different than it did when I was 17. This is everything that I dreamed about. Is my family perfect? Oh, Lord, no. Did they still have some issues? Oh, you better believe this family had some issues. Not only did this family have some issues, but every family connected to this family had some issues. Just read the lineage of Jesus. They they throw a few names in there just so you know. Hey, (laughs) Jesus got some weirdos in his family line too. No matter how crazy they are, no matter how messed up they are, the ultimate goal of the dream that God has for us is that we will bring along. And this doesn't just represent family, immediate family. This represents family of God. Right? So what good is it if God helps me as a pastor to succeed, but I don't bring his body with me? So this is not just about me getting my dreams fulfilled. This is me making sure that God does everything in your life that you believe he can do. So as we dream together, as we believe together, and as we see God do things in our future, realize it's not so that we can be great or that people will ever make a big deal about us. But one day when we are gone, our kids and our grandkids Our great grandkids will still be in God's house 
reaping the benefit of our suffering. My suffering produces hope because I know I'm not the only benefactor of what I went through. So, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Help us today. Help us. It's difficult. Oh, man, it's difficult to be in the middle of the evil and say, oh, man, I know you mean this for my good. I know it's hard. But help us, God, through the perspective of this story to see that, to put our confidence in that. That even though we might be in the middle of something very difficult in our lives and maybe even difficult days are in store ahead for many of us. Help us to realize that you do have a why for our what. So we thank you. We put our trust in you. We believe that you're not finished with us. That in many ways you're just getting started. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Will you stand on your feet? And as you stand on your feet, will you close your eyes and bow your head? I'm wondering if there's anyone in the room today who would say, Rob, I don't know Jesus as my personal savior. Never given my life to him. I've never made him Lord of my life. I've never asked for forgiveness of my sins and invited God to come live in me and live through me. If that's you today, in a few moments, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I also wanna ask if there's anyone in here who would say, Rob, I've been away from God and I wanna recommit my life to Jesus today. I've been doing my own thing, maybe headed my own direction and I feel a disconnect with the Lord today and I wanna reestablish my life in Jesus. And today I wanna make, make that declaration, Jesus, I need you. So if that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus or you'd say, I wanna come back to the Lord today. I wanna pray for you before we go. I'm gonna count to three and when I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air and we're gonna pray a prayer together, believing that God is gonna supernaturally change your life in this moment. One, two, three. Throw that hand up in the air if that's you. Anybody I see? Anybody else I see there? Anyone else I see, sir? Anyone else? Anyone else? I see you there. Anybody else? See over there in the corner? Awesome. Come on, church. Let's all pray this prayer with those that lifted their hands. Let's say this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you mine. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I'm your vessel. Thank you for forgiving me. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. I believe you're coming again. And until that day, I want to do everything you've called me to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together and bless the Lord.